0: Is Abram's faith missing something? Today we'll see Abram try to take God's promises into his own hands instead of waiting on God. On the Bible Brief. Abram isn't getting any younger. He'd left everything to come to the land of Canaan when he was 75 years old looking forward to the promises of God. But now he's nearly 86 years old, continuing to age as he looks toward the fulfillment of God's promises to him. Those promises of the land of Canaan, seed or descendants in abundance and blessing to the world. After 10 years in and around the land that God had called him, despite all of God's assurances that these promises will come to pass, Abram's getting antsy. How exactly was God going to accomplish all this? Well, as it happens, Abram's wife has a possible solution. Let's read from Genesis chapter 16. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. Don't miss what just happened. Sarai suggests to her husband Abram that he sleep with another woman, a servant in their household. And Sarai essentially says that she could claim the child that comes from Abram's actions with Hagar. That way, she and Abram could, in perhaps an unconventional way, have a child that they'd been waiting so long for. And Abram, perhaps looking at his aging wife and then looking at Hagar, well, he listened to the voice of Sarai. Don't forget that that's what Adam did in the garden. God said that Adam would suffer consequences because he, quote, listened to the voice of his wife and took the fruit from the forbidden tree. This is a linguistic clue for us to know that Abram shouldn't be doing this. And yet he listened to her voice and things begin to get more complicated for Abram. It says that Abram went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. So as quickly as the decision was made, Hagar conceived a child. And then Hagar looks at Sarai with contempt. Significant drama has now entered the household. The leading woman in the house cannot conceive an heir, and the servant has provided an heir to Abram. Who really is the leading woman then? As you might guess, Sarah regrets the counsel that she gave to Abram. And Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your servant is in your power do to her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and Hagar fled from her. Abram affirms Sarai's leadership among the household, and then it appears rather flippantly allows Sarai to treat Hagar however she wants. Sarai treats Hagar so badly that Hagar eventually flees the security of the household and community for the dangerous wilderness. Anxious and pregnant Hagar just can't take it anymore. And yet, God sees Hagar in her distress, and he speaks to her, appearing as the angel of the Lord. It says this, The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from my mistress Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit to her. God graciously provides Hagar with promises about this child from Abram that she carries within her. He speaks of the multitude that will come from her son, and he also speaks of the character of his offspring, that they will be against everyone else. God's providing her with a glimpse into the real future of her son and his lineage in the midst of her bleak situation. And upon God's communication with her, she returns to Abram's household, obedient to God's command and we read, Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram called the name of his son whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. Now imagine Abram at this point, 86 years old, and he finally has a son. After so many, many years, he finally has an heir to his household. He finally has someone who will carry on his legacy. He was probably over the moon. And then, the Bible is silent for the next 13 years of Abram's life. Amazingly, despite all the action of the first 11 years in the land, the next 13 are largely silent. Silent until Abram is 99 years old, just about over the hundred hill. Let's read what happens when God speaks to Abram again. When Abram was ninety-nine years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abram for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. 24 years after Abram entered the land, God is giving him a new name in further confirmation of the promises that he'd given since the beginning. No longer would his name be Abram, meaning exalted father. No, now his name would be Abraham, meaning father of a multitude. Which seems perhaps a bit out of sync with the story. Maybe Abram was thinking, God, you don't have to affirm this to me anymore. I already have Ishmael. I have a son. I get it. Through Ishmael, all these things will happen. But God keeps affirming and expanding his promises. He says, I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make you into nations and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Now, Abraham's ears must have perked up even a bit more at this point. There's a leveling up happening here that's new to him. Not just fruitful, but exceedingly fruitful. Not just a nation, but nations. And now a mention of kings that will come from Abraham. And God again reaffirms this covenant that he's made with Abraham. He affirms that it will continue and be established with his offspring as an everlasting covenant. A covenant that will continue through the progeny of Abraham and will never cease. But then God says something really new. He says he's going to give Abraham a sign for this covenant. An external sign to demonstrate that one is a part of the covenant community. Just like Noah got the rainbow as a sign for the Noahic covenant, so God is giving a sign to Abraham for the Abrahamic covenant. And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep, between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. It shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised, every male throughout your generations. Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Now, you can look up exactly what this entails if you want those sort of details, but ultimately we should notice that this sign given to Abraham is a sign of faithful obedience. As the community continues to believe the promises of God to Abraham, they are to circumcise every male child on the eighth day after his birth. It's no wonder that for all these promises about offspring, that the sign itself would have to do with the means of producing those offspring. But what God says next is so shocking to Abraham that he actually begins to laugh at the thought of it. Listen to this. And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? Abraham is in amazement and shock at what God has just said. Sarai, or rather Sarah, is going to have a son. Sarah is going to have a son? At 90 years old? But didn't Abraham already have a son? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God said, No, but Sarai, your wife, shall bear you a son and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall father 12 princes, and I will make him into a great nation. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. Imagine the monumental shift that occurs for Abraham in this moment. He'd been thinking for the last 13 years that Ishmael would be the one through whom God would make his promises come to pass. Through his son from Hagar, he thought that things on the seed front of the promise were sorted. But no. Here we see emphasized that God himself will accomplish his promises. Not Abraham, not Sarah, not Hagar. No one could allow a 90-year-old woman to conceive except God. And no one would inherit the promises of the covenant except the child that God had chosen, Isaac. God says, I will establish my covenant with Isaac. Abraham's effort with Hagar only complicated things that didn't need to be complicated. Abraham, the man of faith, had a severe lapse in judgment and a severe misunderstanding of God's power and plan. But now, now he seems to get it. It won't be through Ishmael. It will be through Isaac, God's chosen son of the elderly barren woman, the son of his own wife, Sarah, the miracle son who only God could provide. Join us next time as we see the end of the Sodom story. While Isaac grows in the womb of Sarah, wickedness continues to grow in Sodom. So much wickedness that God decides to deal with the city once and for all. There's just one tiny wrinkle. Abraham's nephew still lives in Sodom and he needs to get out. The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation, dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible.